1: Batman you.
2: experience. experience. experience! Experience! Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass Podcast. This for UFC 241. Here's a little here I'll level with you guys here. Cody's gonna be away in half. For, it doesn't.
3: Nova Scotia, the Maritimes, you know, I'm and then PA. <laughs>
2: He's on vacation. He's on vacation. It's none of your business. But Cody's going to be away, so we had to record this in advance. The odds are out. There is no DraftKings pricing. We're going to kind of guesstimate DraftKings pricing as we go through the thing or through the card. We'll talk about who we think based on what we think the prices are going to be. We'll try to set Would the price good ourselves. Play. We're going to set our price ourselves. But more, more or less, we're going to go through. We're going to pick winners and do all that stuff. So, yeah, Cody Safdie, you, you enjoy your vacation. Yeah, yeah. It'll, long, be, it'll, be, it'll be nice. Get long, away. Long overdue. Yeah, buddy. Um, so, yeah, UFC 241
3: you know what a fine looking card yeah exactly it's the finest looking offer the ufc has presented us in quite some time i think fight fans all over like this is the kind of card you don't feel bad about paying for and this is the kind of card you get your friends together and you go out and you do something like it's got that big fight feel and i know international fight week it used to have that big fight feel you used to get a card on the friday and a card on the saturday and you know some type of carrot you got john jones this year and you got eh, you got john jones tiago santos It is what it is. The UFC's having trouble having these appealing cards, these marketable cards. And this is is a full, complete offering. As you and I talked about, like, yeah, what a pain in the ass it'd be if the main event was to fall off a card like this. But you look at last week, Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler. If that newer card loses the main event, it's the worst card of all times. Mm -hmm. You look at last week in Uruguay. If that main event falls off... This card is a hurting whereas this has a lot of good supporting cast. I mean, You're Smuka telling me
2: versus uh, <laughs> Paddy o- or Paddy Holohan? Um, that did end up main eventing a fight a fight card in Ireland.
3: Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Like, that
2: was that was pretty bad,
3: absolutely bad. But this is the case that if I woke up and someone told me Stipe or Cormier are out of the fight. Geez, I would be upset. Man, that sucks. I really want to see that fight. But the flip side to that would be an upgrade of one of two things. You would either get Nate Diaz-Anthony Pettis five rounds, which is I'd rather much rather see mm-hmm. that than three, or we might get Yo Romero versus Paulo Costa as a five round yeah. instead of a three. To be honest, I might even be willing to sacrifice seeing Cormier versus Stipe too if I can see one of those in a five rounder. So, yeah. yeah, this is a very nice card from top to bottom. Very excited. Too bad uh, we had to shoot in advance and kind of guess the DraftKings pricing, but this will be interesting because we'll see based on where we set it, where we like it. If it gets a little higher than this, I wouldn't play it. If it sits around that, it'd be a good value play. And then we'll be able to see in in real time kind of when it's released and how far we were.
2: So that kind of leads me to this week's challenge. Obviously, we are doing this card before Montevideo. So our next episode, I don't even know the card for the next. uh, After UFC 241, the card is... It doesn't really matter. We will, on ESPN announce, plus. we will announce. We will
3: announce UFC wi- on ESPN Plus fifteen something. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, top of my sure.
2: Head. I, those numbers, I, wherever I, it doesn't matter where they are. Either way, we will announce two winners: the one for the Uruguay card and the winner for the UFC two forty one card on that next episode. So, uh, what you're gonna have to do for this episode is give the episode a like. Nothing is possible without that. Number 2, leave your DK handle. Number 3, we talked about it. Top like, lots of big fights, a lot of guys making their returns. Fan favorites. Who are you most excited to see return? You got me. coming back after what seems like forever. <laughs> He's um been. nate diaz coming back after <laughs> what has been because he hasn't had to fight because he got all that money yo
3: romero is there one single fighter that you is there a fighter that you're more interested in seeing in any fight like yeah. he always brings Costa like,
2: yeah. has been out for a while for reasons hannah cyphers making hannah that Ciphers, sophomore out M- looking to keep it undefeated in the ufc MMA gambling twitter loves her about uh, sandhagen Pulled off that win against Johnny Lineker, which is uh, pretty impressive. Anthony
3: Pettis, Paulo Costa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's
2: options. And my my boy, my boy Clay Collard making his. That is my answer. Clay Collard getting back. Like, based on the direction of the UFC is going in right now, Clay Collard is the type of guy that. Like this Dana White's contender series is made for Clay Collar. He doesn't necessarily finish people, but he fights oh. so aggressively that even if he doesn't finish, it's like a fight of the night performance anyway. The guy can take damage. He's not exactly the most talented, skilled guy, but like he He's had fun. a tough run. He lost to Gabriel Benitez. He lost to Max, Max Holloway. Holloway. And then and, and he uh, had a split decision loss to Thiago Trator. And that ended up, you know, being his final demise. But it's like like this guy had like fight of the night performances. Like he can take a beating in the direction that the UFC is headed right now. Clay Collard will fit right in. But let's get into the main event here. We have Daniel Cormier taking on Stipe Miocic. Daniel Cormier minus 145. Favorite Stipe Miocic is plus 125. Um, I mean, we saw this fight. Daniel Cormier knocked him out in the first round. But it's heavyweight and uh, not all fights are going to be the exact same. Stipe was well, like at least like a minus, like close to a mi- minus 300 favorite in their first fight against each other. People were getting like posting plus 220 Daniel Cormier tickets and so on and so forth. Um Cormier has been out for a long time. We didn't know he was supposed to fight Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar obviously it was, I don't know, it was probably a publicity stunt to try to gain some more money. Yeah, it's a
3: great bargaining chip if I'm going into a contract negotiation with the it's WWE. A, Cormier's
2: been out for a long time. The guy's already 40 years old. Stipe Miocic, he's one of, the Ram people, one of the rare people who was like, you know, I'm not fighting unless it's for the belt. It's just like, oh, Stipe, this isn't going to work out for you, I've bud. Seen,
3: I've seen this play itself out. Yeah, before, and seen.
2: usually you do not get that title shot. Well, he waited out long enough that. Brock Lesnar dropped out. There's really nobody else that could have done it. Steve Miočić, welcome back, buddy. You're back on the team. Um I don't want to lay minus 145 on Cormier right now cuz I am worried that the guy hasn't been taking anything too seriously. He's had like his whole life has been like very you know, he've been questioning a whole bunch of things. Um, whether he's going to get the Brock Lesnar fight? Or is he ever going to fight John Jones? Like, I I don't even think Stipe Melchus was in his uh, absolutely in his not. mentality. He's been doing all the the broadcast stuff, and he's great at that. But I, this time off at this age for a guy who's already talked about having like wear and tear on his body and stuff. I'm yeah. I, I don't I don't really want to lay the juice on DC, even though we've seen him knock him out. Like it, it almost feels like a, a trap to me. Um. Leaning towards Steepe Miocic, I wish I was a lot more like affirmative on this fight, but I think Stepe is going to be super, super hungry. He's coming in probably training his ass off when he got the opportunity to come back here get his belt. I think his reach, reach, and his mobility may actually uh, work in his favor this time, as long as he doesn't get clipped hard in the pocket like he did the first time. But Daniel Cormier, undefeated at heavyweight. Obviously completely live, but the way the line is right now, I'm kind of leaning towards Stipe to uh, get some redemption.
3: You know what? I actually do agree with that. I agree that what have both men done since then? You talk about Daniel Cormier's layoff. Well, Stipe is the one that's been off over a year, whereas at least Cormier fought that fight with Derek Lewis. But that fight concludes Stepe versus um, Cormier won. And he, he knocks him out kind of not early, but it's like he caught, catches him early in the fight. People want to see it progress. People didn't know what was going to happen. It's a definitive statement. But it's also like it's the kind of thing you could run back. You know, you just defeated the heavyweight champ, a guy that he was, had the most title defenses. He was a guy that was kind of looking to be the, that top heavyweight of this generation or of this era. You beat this guy in that convincing fashion, and a lot of people are down with the rematch. Steep First thing A says is, you owe me one, man. You owe me one. Give me the rematch. He's chomping at the bit. I want to fight you again. Whereas Cormier's first instinct is, no way, <laughs> we are not doing that again, not running it back. And in fact, I would rather fight pro wrestler Brock Lesnar, who was not fought since a steroid doping fight over uh, Mark Hunt, which he did thrash hunt, at UFC 200. I would rather fight that guy. So it's not about legacy. It's about, I'm 40 years yeah, old. Yeah, make that money. A lot of people. I a lot of people had me as the underdog to Bay. It's going to be a tough fight. I clipped him. I put him away. I don't want to run this back again because chances are it's going to be tougher the second time around. I don't want to run it back. I would maybe rather fight John Jones than have to fight Bay again. But I would definitely rather fight Brock Lesnar. But then they offer him the Derek Lewis fight, and it's a favorite to the UFC. They need a they need a headliner, so he takes the Derek Lewis fight. And even though he smashes through Derek Lewis, it's interesting afterwards where he's like, "Man, that power!" Like. He hit me one time, and I was having trouble seeing out of that eye. Like, that one shot seemed to wake him up. And, you know, when you look at Cormier versus Stipe, Stipe, you get the impression that, like, oh, man, once he gets his hands going, he's going to hurt Cormier. Problem is, he just never gets himself going. Cormier knocks him up. Since that Derek Lewis fight, okay, Cormier thinks he's getting the Brock Lesnar fight. And even though that should motivate you to go out and put in a huge camp, he's not sure if he's getting the Brock Lesnar fight. And it's also Brock Lesnar. So what you notice in all the interviews and all the panel desks and him going to do these different shows and this and that is that, like, he's he got really out of shape. Now, Daniel Cormier is a guy that doesn't have a fighter's body, and he, no. he's never been known to have those abs. But, like, he's 40 years old. He has a family. He has kids. He's won <clears throat> the interim light heavyweight title. He's won the heavyweight title. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time. He really is. He's not better than John Jones for obvious reasons, but he's one of. It's like, what more does this guy got to complete? You know, I'll have a fun rinky-dink fight with Brock Lesnar to get it out. It's a little circus sideshow, but I'll get paid a big payday and maybe I'll take that John Jones fight as a career ender. But Stipe is the farthest thing from it. And then the Brock fight falls through. And now all of a sudden he gets cold feet on fighting John Jones a third time. Now you're seeing him with interviews saying, Yeah, I'm not, it's not definitive that I would fight John Jones a third time. Maybe Daniel Cormier, as good as he is, and as great as he is, and there's no reason to believe that he's regressed in the year that he's been off, because quite frankly, he's shown, you know, no inclination towards that. But I got a bad feeling that that all the things that we thought Stipe would bring in the first fight, which is he's got enough wrestling to keep the fight standing, he's a better boxer, he's a bigger boy, and he's just going to be able to take him into some deeper waters. Maybe all that all proves to be true this time around. But when you get knocked out in the first round and you book an immediate rematch, Cormier should be at least a 2-1 to favorite over Stipe Miocic. So if I'm a Cormier supporter, and there's a lot of them out there, 145 is a fantastic price tag. If I'm a Stipe guy... Yeah, I was gonna bet him anyways, and it's still dog money, so I'll still bet him. But I was really hoping to get more more. Plus one forty five, yeah. plus one fifty five, plus one sixty five. So now I've got a problem. If I'm gonna price this I, I, as it is right now, forty five, one twenty five, I'd say it'd be eighty six hundred dollars, Daniel Cormier, come back seventy, eight hundred dollars on Steep uh, ABOG. 80, 86,
2: 76. 86, 76, it always adds yeah. up to sixteen too. You're right, you're right, you're right.
3: So 86-76. That's actually,
2: believe it or not. Is
3: that what you wrote down? What I wrote down. Well, the there age. you go. Well, we're on the same page. So uh, Daniel Cormier just knocked this guy in the first round. and I Stipe, think both guys, yeah, you he, need, you're you going to need
2: the winner you're of gonna, this fight. You're
3: going to need the winner. And yep. this is a close fight to break down. Because you can't just go by in recent history. Yep. Recent history is Cormier knocks this guy in the first round. But I, I do get the impression this will be more competitive. And if Cormier can stretch him, or sorry, if, if Stipe can get it to later rounds, Who knows? Who knows? We still haven't seen Daniel Cormier at heavyweight go three hard, go four hard, go five hard. We've seen him smoke out Stipe in the first round. We've seen him smoke out Derek Lewis early. So where will that cardio hold up? Probably pretty good. His cardio at light heavyweights held up pretty good. But we just don't know. So I would be chasing that dog
2: price. Cool. We got uh, Anthony Shutan-Pettis taking on Nate Diaz. Pettis, minus 130. Diaz, plus 110. He got...
3: Yeah, when Diaz lost to Conor McGregor the last time and proceeds to then take three years off, talks a little shit on the sidelines, rumored fight with Daniel with uh, with Dustin Poirier, sorry. Sometimes it looks like he, he puts in a camp and he gets in really good shape. Sometimes he lays off. He's 34 now. This is an instant fade. Like 100% you're going to fade Nate Diaz. The problem is, is that especially in the manner that Anthony Pettis won his last fight over Stephen Thompson, it was. I knew I was going to instant fade Anthony Pettis going forward. So now them being matched up against each other is a tough one. Do you go with Nate Diaz, who's got obvious size on him, a better ground game, better pressure fighter? But he's been off for three years, Paul. And how motivated are you to come back to the UFC now at 34 years old, taking on guys that aren't Conor McGregor for a fraction of the paycheck? That I just don't know. An unmotivated Nate Diaz is one of the worst fighters in the UFC. The skill's there. He's just, there's nothing else there. Whereas a motivated Nate Diaz, yeah, this guy's actually a legitimate challenger. We see what he can do when he's on. So there's a little bit of a question mark there. Anthony Pettis, meanwhile, not built for 170 at all. And losing the fight to Thompson, not doing anything, not getting up. Got the leg kicks going. But then that Superman punch just changes everything. It's mm-hmm. like it breathes new life into him. He looked till that point, shot. Hadn't been looking good in the UFC. Hadn't been looking good now in this transition to 170. It, things aren't going... Couldn't make 145 comfortably. 55's passed him. Now he's just undersized. It's not looking good for him, but he pulls it off. That gives him a little something-something. Nate Diaz had a career resurgency by beating Conor McGregor. Before that, yeah, the fight with Michael Johnson, he looked good. But you also got the unmotivated Nate Diaz as much as you got the motivated one, and it just wasn't a precise. So now you got both these guys. Even though one's coming off a win and one's been off three years, still a crossroad bout. Like Mm -hmm. one of these guys is going to win this fight and get another money fight or another big fight. Gets another veteran or a, a top prospect the other guy loses this like if nate loses this he's not coming back because the payday will be even worse the next time around and first fight in three years you lose it's done he'll do what his brother nick did and that's talk some shit on the sideline but never really commit to coming back whereas if anthony pettis loses this it's like you're just total non-factor so we got minus 130 pettis or minus 130 pettis plus 110 diaz i'm gonna go diaz another dog play it's it's a small dog play but it's a dogger pass situation both guys got massive question marks but the thing is is that Nate Diaz is a way bigger than Anthony Pettis and b Nate Diaz is much better on the ground. It's just that we don't often talk about his wrestling because it's like what wrestling? It's mostly like judo trips. Mm -hmm. But if he commits to getting the fight to the ground and he gets on top of Anthony Pettis, he'll smoke him. If it stays standing, what I'm worried about is the same thing when he fought McGregor. Anthony Pettis is much faster than Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is slow and plodding, flat footed.
2: Yeah, he's just going to eat leg kicks, eat leg kicks all day.
3: And he's going to eat a lot of leg kicks. What we saw from Pettis in his last fight is he's got a nice leg kick game and he'll go to it. And with a slow plodding guy that stands upright like that and is just going to look at the counter, the leg kick's there for you all day mcgregor went to the leg kick had some success do the same thing replicate it. state of the outside dance around it's just if nate is motivated then he'll walk forward he'll march through that stuff and he'll tag him and in marching forward in pressuring him i just don't think that anthony pest is throwing enough at this stage if you go to 170 and you don't have that one punch power anymore he just literally one-punched Steven Thompson, so I guess how, mm-hmm. I, I know how stupid that sounds. But I don't think his power is going to translate long-term at 170, and I don't think he's got the volume at 170. No. If, if main event gets scratched and this gets bumped up to five, Nate Diaz all day. Three is very intriguing to me because Anthony Pettis tends to quit the later fights go, but this is only three rounds. He could easily go up to let Nate have his classic third-round rally, and then still win a 29-28. Close fight, totally get it. I'm going to side with Nate Diaz ever so slightly. For a DK price, I 8, wrote eight thousand uh, or I what? Eighty
2: three seventy-nine, yeah. So Eighty three seventy-nine. I kind of went through the whole card already and I'm gonna say It's, it's all gonna 80. be around that range type of thing for sure. So yeah, that makes it an interesting mid-range play for sure. Um, the one thing I will say before we move on to the next fight is that I wanna see Nate. During the week leading up to this fight, I want to see him on the scales. Like, you remember back, of course, you remember back. I know it was at 155, so he's obviously going to look more shredded at 155. But we took on Michael Johnson. Um, we hadn't seen him in a long time, yeah. We didn't know he was going to fight, and then he showed up. And you're just like, oh shit, Nate's in shape. Like he had he had abs. He was looking very very good for a Diaz brother. Diaz brothers are never like, yeah yeah, they don't have abs. But like he actually had abs in that fight. And just like, all right, Nate Nate's been training. Nate's been taking things seriously. I want to know before I play him that Nate's been taking things seriously or is he just butthurt that he's not getting the McGregor fight and he's just showing up to collect a paycheck? That's the question I have, and I don't have an answer for that Uh, until we get closer to the fight. And I may not even have an answer. I know.
3: My last flip side argument to that is if I told you that Nate had spent the week drinking in Cabo and not training, would it make a difference? Because we've seen this narrative with him before. Is he beat Conor McGregor the first time drinking in Cabo? The thing with Nate Diaz is he shows up in shape or not in shape or prepared or not prepared. At least one thing. You know fuck is there to fight, yeah, you know, 100%. whereas Anthony Pettis. And I always feel bad saying this because, you know, I almost feel like I'm the coward for saying it. How could a prized fighter, a former champion like Anthony? How can you question this guy's heart? But it's like I do. I very much so do. When when shit gets dicey, his coach pulls him out or he voluntarily yanks himself out. If he catches you with some punch off the cage, power to him. But lightning's not going to strike twice. You're right, though. I w- I'd like to see Nate Diaz on the on the scale. And if he's got at least four abs, I'll take
2: him. If he's got six i I'll day. Yoel Romero takes on Paulo Costa, a fight that's been booked a ton of times, finally. Hopefully, hopefully we're not jinxing it right now. This fight actually goes on at UFC 241. We have uh, Yoel Romero, minus 165, favorite Paulo Costa, Bordachina is plus uh plus 145, what you take here, Cody?
3: You know what? This fight has been booked many of times. Yo Romero is my boy. His style, second to none. He can out-wrestle anybody. His striking, it just seems like he's a step ahead of everybody in speed. And then when he does touch you, you just crumple. If it looks like he's having a bad... He's not Anthony Pettis. He could be gimping on one leg, and he will still knock you out. Like, he fights to the end. He's a soldier of God. Tremendous. This fight's been booked many of times, and every time in my head, I always thought, Paulo Costa is going to beat him somehow. He's a better striker. Keep the fight standing. Even though you're so good at wrestling... He he's, doesn't always go to his wrestling. You know, a lot of the times he'll just sit there and lull you to sleep and then explode on you. It's just I can't get that fight with Uriah Hall out of my head. Like Uriah Hall gave you a go and touched you up, and everything that he did to you that night is now going to be exceeded ten times by Yoel Romero. And we always talk about Yoel's getting up there in age, but like it doesn't actually seem no, to matter. This guy is you know? not
2: built from the same cloth as the rest. Yeah, if
3: if his name nickname wasn't Soldier of God, surely it would be Benjamin Button. Because he's like an age; it's a reverse aging process. He looked awful against Feijao and Strike Force ten years ago, and now it's just like man, he gets faster and faster every time. You know, like he. There's an argument that he beat Robert Whitaker, and that he's the champ right now. All the guys that everybody want to see, you know, the Jacare fights. It's like. He stood up to every test, and, and he's passed it with flying colors. Guys that had cast iron chins, he knocked out. Like He's done everything that's been presented to him. There's no reason why he should lose this fight. But again, at some point, age is going to be a factor, and it is going to knock on him. And, and there's no doubt the the end of his fights are super spectacular, but he is getting hurt in there. He is mm-hmm. hurting himself. He's having terrible, 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 terrible weight cuts. And those are only going to get worse. And with Costa, he's been off for a little bit, right? And he had himself a fake positive, and he had this, and blah, 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 blah. But he's young, and he's getting better, and he's going to pose a problem to Yo Romero. So Yo Romero, at minus 165, I'm not... I'm not really running to pay that mm. price for him. Yeah, he should be the favorite. 35, 45, in for that. 65, no. And because yeah. he's such a big fan favorite, I do expect the line to actually start going a little bit more towards him unless something happens. What's or the deal the with case.
2: this like, lawsuit, though?
3: Okay, here's the deal with the lawsuit. I know that company
2: that he's supposed to get $29 million from, they don't have $29 million. So it's like, how much can you actually uh, extract from that company? I don't know. I just don't, like, that company could actually have a net worth of, like, actual zero.
3: Yeah, so it's something like, was it $29 million or
4: $22 million?
2: we're splitting hairs.
3: Let's say it's $22 million. (laughs) No, 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 no. Let's let's say it's $22 million. He sues. The court says you owe your Romero $22 million, okay? So the the company immediately defaults and files for bankruptcy. And then what would happen was that he would be lucky to recover 10%, which is 2.2. So he would get 2.2. He'd have to pay his lawyer. That's an easy $200,000. He's got to pay a couple other things. If he walked away with a million and a half, everybody wins. His manager wins. His lawyer wins. Oh, for sure they all win. He he gets
2: his shit overturned. They're not overturned. Yoel's, no, not, Yoel's no, not showing no, up for this fight if he got 20,
3: no. $29 he million dollars. got $22 million. Do you think he'd be fighting Paulo Costa of no. all people? He'd say, you know what? Offer me a title shot, I'll take it outside of that. Fuck off. I'll
2: I'll fight Conor McGregor, George (laughs) St. Pierre, or Anderson Silva.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm only going to fight ludicrous money matchups. Yeah, Yeah. and Khabib if Russia really wants it that bad. But, like, nah, dude. There's no chance I'm fighting this young hungry lion. When I've got that kind of money. But with Yol, he is a fighter. And he's a fighter that really has got his eye on the title. Which makes this surprising because you think he could just pull a steep eight and sit on the sideline. But Age is going to catch him eventually. And he must know that. So, I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic all around. Like, this is the fight. Like, this is the people's main event. We've been waiting for this for a long-ass time. And if we get the last version of Yol we got versus the last last version of Paulo we got... Yul wins all day, but Yul's regressing from that version. I do truthfully believe it's slow. He's a freak of nature. He is the most athletic guy we've probably ever seen next to Kevin Randleman in the UFC. But it's going to catch up to him. Whereas Costa's young and he's developing, and he was shit five years ago, mm-hmm. man. He was losing on the Ultimate Fighter against what? Alexander Almeida beat him. Guy was not good,
2: but he put on some size. Put
3: on some size. Got a little older. He's 27. Striking seems pretty good. Yeah. He's got big power. If he hurts Yol and causes Yol to get... Cardio's
2: pretty good for a big boy. his
3: cardio checks out? Like there's... At least
2: in three rounds. If this was a five-rounder, it'd be, I'd yeah. be a little bit more concerned. And then if somebody
3: says, from... hey, dude, Paulo just got a false positive, so he's not going to be touching no juice, and that might affect him. It's like, yeah, well, you know, his opponent, Yol's got the fucking same thing, false <laughs> positive. So, so, like, that that argument's at yeah. the
2: window. I priced this at uh, 88 dollars
3: Eighty-eight, seventy-four. Um, yeah, I'm thinking a bit cheaper on Yol, but yeah, he's minus one sixty-five, eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah when I'll you play kinda that. Go yeah, through
2: the rest of the odds on the card. No, I agree. I agree. That makes it's sense. It's Kind of what it seems like it'll be around, and. Uh... I think that makes it. That's an interesting fight. The problem with Yoel, really, really low volume and stuff until you get to round three, and then wow, it's a goddamn a killer when you get to round three.
3: Here's another situation where five favors Yoel because it's yeah. like he conserves energy really well and then gets you to at least. But
2: when you conserve energy like that, you run. Like you, sometimes you just run out of time.
3: But he, he you know, he gives up early rounds. Even though Luke Rockhold fights the same thing. Like he'll he'll give you early rounds and come back. That's not a good idea against no. a young, hungry lion in a three rounder. So you're saying 88, 74. I'll agree with
4: that. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, a bad back or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com PME and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to your doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with the doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com PME to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com PME for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com
2: PME. We got Corey Sandhagen taking on Rafael Sunset Same odds as Yoel Romero. Uh, Paolo Costa's minus 165 plus 145. I priced this at 87.75. I scratched yeah, it that's out because I was like, thing. it's the same odds, but like, give me the middle weights, <laughs> right? <laughs> give me these freaking train, like, these absolute destroyer of worlds. If I, was put into, if I was put into a corner and had to do it. Yeah, right?
3: let me see the highlight reel from that fight. And then let me see the, the pre-fight highlight reel from this fight. Uh, I think Costa and Yule got a better shot. Yeah, no. Okay. I I like it. Yeah, so yeah. I like the pricing. Do you like Sanhagen? You went against Sanhagen I mean, last yeah, night. I told I you not to. to. I, I
2: have to like him now.
3: Yeah. Once you yeah. defeat, you got you to beat the boy Abel to beat the boy. has
2: been a tough out for anybody in the division for years on end. But um, I think... You know, uh, Sandhagen was a former training partner of TJ Dilshaw. TJ Dilshaw seems to have figured out how to beat him on the flip side of, you know, losing to him early on in his career. Um, I From what I saw from Sandhagen against Lineker, this guy can this guy can stick to a game plan, stay on the outside, pick, pick people apart from the outside. Uh, Rafael Assuntau is a solid solid competitor by, you know, he's so well-rounded and everything like that, but I, I got to Sanhagen impressed me against my boy Lineker. I don't think that this matchup's that much more difficult. Obviously, Asuncao uh, uh, is more well-rounded, but Lineker is more dangerous in terms of the, you know, in terms of the, the power of his shots and the, the amount of shots that he, that he throws at you. John Lineker is a tough guy to, to get the game plan on, and Corey Sanhagen, it was close, but he passed. And yeah. uh, he gets he gets my vote of confidence here for against Rafael Asanta, who has been get he's getting old. He's getting old for this division at this point.
3: I I hear you there. I hear you. I feel like he's another guy where the writing's on the wall. It's not necessarily there. Yeah, he got shock, rocked, and dropped against Marlon Moraes, eventually submitted, but outside of that, it's like you can't point to any obvious de- decline in his skill set. It's that you know, Man, his best years are probably 2016, 2017. He had that win over TJ Dillashaw. He beat Aljamain Sterling. He beat Marlon Marais. And then he got a really nasty ankle injury. And since then, it's like it slowed him down. He's slower in the division. Could he out-grapple Corey Sanhagen? Yeah, I think that's the path. I think you've got to force Sanhagen to the ground. John Lineker has got uh, no he does not want that fight on the ground. He wants to line you up with a big hook and take your head off. you got to fight a perfect 15 minutes against this guy or he'll knock you out. Sanhagen's chin checks out, his, his fight IQs checks out, his skill set checks out, but that's a purely striking battle. If Rafael Assange was able to get him to the ground, maybe that's... Maybe that's the area that you think, geez, maybe we have some trouble here. Mm -hmm. His prior fight, he fought Mario Batista. Mario Batista does succeed in taking him down, but he armbars Batista from his guard. That ain't going to happen against Rafael Asensio. If Rafael Asensio takes you down, you're up shits Creek. Like You're probably going to be in some trouble. I I think think it's not a passing of the torch because Sanhagen's already running with it, but Rafael should be passing his contender status to the next wave. Yeah, Here you go. You know, Marlon beat me in the rematch. TJ beat me in the rematch. You know, I, I had those initial wins. If I fought Aljamain Sterling again, he would beat me in the rematch. My best days are behind. I can prove a stiff little test for a young up-and-comer, but that's about all. That should be the narrative. That should be what happens. But again, that that ground game just makes me ever so slightly just Fair a enough. little bit off. Now, flip side to that, I, I am picking Sanhagen. And when I think about the pricing that we're going to put on at $8,700 for Sanhagen, Sanhagen's got power, and he's sharp, and he can knock a guy out. And a Sun South traditionally... Had a cast iron chin. Guy can take a punch. Has been knocked out, but you know what I mean. But it's that last fight against Marlon, and you get the sense that like, yo, these these more dynamic, fluid strikers, when he doesn't get to them, ground mm-hmm. they're gonna clip him. When they clip him, it's gonna make him pay. And and then you nailed the last point. Yeah, he's a he's a li- long time training partner with TJ as and they've grown close over the last year or so before TJ's EPO testing. But I mean, like TJ and Dwayne and those guys, like they they wrote the book on how to be. They lost to him the first time. Mm -hmm. And then they wrote the book on how to defeat this guy. And then like, it wasn't even competitive the second time, but it wasn't even like, I'll just knock this guy out. It's a quick, you can't take it. It's like, I'll, I'll defeat this guy in every aspect of MMA. Sanhagen should be able to do the same thing. That takedown defense really makes me worry. So as far as early dogs, that I don't like yeah, Costa's got a shot. No doubt about it. And I am going to take him as a dog. I got Nate Diaz. He's a dog. I got Stipe. He's a dog. I'm on three for three on dogs. So a Sunsau, I'm not chasing no dog here. I will take Sanhagen, but I fully understand that there are some risks here. And uh 8775, I think that's also pretty spot on.
2: We got Ian Heinisch taking on Derek Brunson. Ian Heinisch is minus 175. i priced him at 8900. Yeah, only an odds play, basically. But I wouldn't Derek play. Derek Brunson it. is 155, and obviously priced at 73. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't play either one of these guys. Um, At this price, to be perfectly honest. Heinisch has proven good enough in grappling. I don't think Derek Brunson... I know he took down Yoel and stuff in the past, but like... Once upon a time. Sure, but like, I don't... Yeah, I don't see him like just dominating from a wrestling standpoint in this fight. And Heinisch, though he's came through as a dog and, you know, been a darling of the betting community um this is a top 10 guy i i, I think heinish gets through this fight but i don't see him scoring a ton i don't think you're gonna need him on DraftKings. the problem i maybe he can clip Derek brunson but heinish isn't exactly a world-class like power puncher that's not how he wins he wins by grinding tiring you out and uh just Im- Im- imploring his will on you and i think that all adds up when we, when we've already priced sanhagen And Yoel and these other guys in that price range, it's like it's going to be really hard to play. um, Ian Heinisch at eighty nine.
3: Yeah, Heinisch at eighty nine. I agree with you. I agree in the pricing in that he's a bigger favorite than the rest of those guys, and that's kind of how DK does it. If it was me personally, I'd have him no more than eighty four hundred, which is why I wouldn't play him for the pricing, depending on what it ends up being. But um, yeah, Heinisch is a serviceable guy. We're talking about Dana White contender series veterans that are not ever going to win a championship. But hey, these guys should be in the UFC anyways. They should be middling away on some contender series shows where you're seeing this season, it's almost all those guys. Heinrich is credible. Heinrich is proven. Heinrich did fight at a good level in LFA, win a title before coming over to the UFC. Got good cardio, got good wrestling, trains at Factory X Muay Thai in Colorado. Like, you know what I mean? Good backstory. It's all there for him. But he has been getting fights that kind of do favor him, right? The Cesar Ferrero fight. Caesar Ferreira is a front runner. His wrestling's not all particularly good. If he can't submit you early, you'll have your way with him. Heinish does. Antonio Carlos Jr., <clears throat> he's a front runner. He's gonna try to get you to the ground. He's gonna try to choke you out. If he doesn't, you could have your way with him. And in many ways, Derek Brunson's is the exact same way. He's a front runner. He's going to try to have his way with you in the early beginning, and that's it. Only he's definitely tried to change that aspect of his game. He used to just bum rush you, plow you with 15, 20 punches mm-hmm. in the head, and knock you out. Can he wrestle? Absolutely. But he uses so much energy in everything. that He takes down yol, not even fluky takedowns. He took down an Olympic silver medalist, I think, three times in that fight. Two times, huge. But I think he scored three takedowns in that fight. And then he's completely out of gas in the third round because it's like, oh, yeah, I was trying to take down an Olympian consecutively. Since then, it's like you see those big moments where he bum rushes out against Uriah Hall or he bum rushes out against Ed Herman or he bum rushes out against Sam Alvey. I mean, he even gave Robert Whitaker a go. But ultimately, it's like once that doesn't work, he just completely falls apart. He tried to change against Anderson Silva and it led to a terrible fight he should have won. That they gifted to Anderson and Silva. His last time against Elias Theodorou, he kind of attempted to do it again, but it was also Elias just running away. He kind of had the crowd
2: booing Elias. Yeah,
3: yeah. But as for as bad as that fight was, like he he didn't look good, no, he didn't. and that was probably the best he's looked in a little bit. So yep. now you got him going against Heinisch. It's like it doesn't make sense. Brunson can he- take Heinisch down. And I expect him to take Heinisch down in the first round. But Heinisch is just this is the classic. Every time he probably loses the first round. The Second and third round, he makes you pay. On his contender series fight, he takes on Justin Sumpter. He gets taken down and he gives up his back in the first round. But again, just like his other two fights in the UFC, he probably lose the first round and then he'll get going. And Brunson just fits that mold to a T. So Brunson's a dog with a shot. But as this a, is a card a, that so far we've underlined the fact that like these are good dogs. These you are you name like to say brand in the dogs.
2: Past with a guy like Heinisch, the guy has been to Riker so he's not gonna let you finish on his back no ex-
3: exactly this guy don't you never let it get sunk in okay and I ain't even talking about the joke homie you never let it get sunk in and in this case he's in he's in precarious situations sometimes and it's just like nope you can't put him away you ne- as Dave Chappelle would say night night Keep your bum tight. <laughs> so that's why you don't go night-night, Holmes. You don't fucking tap. You don't go to sleep. You fight to the death, which is something that obviously Ian Heinisch does best. I'm, I'm going to say Ian Heinisch wins. The one thing is, is not only do I not like the pricing that we've attributed him for DK, I don't like the minus 175. No. 45 in 35, I would love it. But I, I can't overlook Brunson with a guy that's middling top 15 at best mm-hmm. versus a guy that legitimately was a top 10 guy. He's yeah. just... Hasn't been fighting to his potential. He is also getting older, but the reflex is still seen there. His chin's always been terrible, but Heinish is not the big power puncher, like you said. So uh, an intriguing fight, to say the least. I will take Heinish, but I'm going to pass as a value standpoint.
2: Yep, same here. All right, we got uh, Sadiq Yosef taking on Gabriel Mowgli-Benitez. Sadiq Yosef, minus 355. I priced him at 9,400 on this card. Just because of an odds play, uh, Gabriel Mowgli Benitez plus two ninety five, and he is sixty eight hundred, respectively. Um, I think Sadiq Yusuf. I'm I'm impressed. I'm I'm drinking the Kool Aid. Everybody's to darling. a degree here. I don't want to lay this price though, because Gabriel uh, Benitez is formidable. He's good on the feet. He's Kicks very like very solid. He's not going to let himself get into. We've seen Sadiq Yusuf like. When he really gets after it, he is like, like it starts turning into a brawl, and he is crushing guys in these brawls. I think Gabriel Benitez kicks like a mule. He's gonna stay at distance. I don't know if I don't have their uh, their reach or anything in front of me. I imagine Sadiq Yusuf is quite a bit bigger, but um, it's gonna be a pass for me. It's gonna be a pass on DraftKings if it's priced up at like this type of thing, like ninety four hundred um I do see him winning I just I think Gabriel Benitez is the type of guy that kind of makes you earn that victory and I think the prices are a little bit too wide for my liking here what about you
3: yeah I gotta go with Sadiq Youssef I'm yeah, one of those picking- guys that's buying the kool-aid as well and uh you know what I I, I do agree in the fact that it's like 355 and Benitez is one of those guys like when you do overlook him yeah, that's when he makes you pay like he's a serviceable guy he's been at AK the last five years. Again, when you have Javier Mendez saying this is the hardest guy that's ever kicked pads for me, like this is the hardest guy I've ever held pads for as they're kicking, you know, that says something. Then you see him in his fights. And it's like, yeah, he does everything good, just nothing great. It's with Sodiq Youssef. It's like I would think you got to get this guy to the ground. I think that would at least have to be part of the game. Plan. Yeah. You can strike with him. He'll brawl with you. He'll give you openings. You can touch him up. We've seen the guy get touched up, but it's like that's what he wants. Like that's yeah. kind of what he thrives in. And then he is a Lloyd Irvin guy. So if you do take him to the ground, like he's apt on the ground as well. You know, we've got this, we got this little rush uh recently of like, well, you got Kamaru Usman, you got Sadiq Youssef, you got Kennedy Injikuwu. And I mean, like Nigerian prospects. Nigeria wasn't a country known for producing these high-level mixed martial artists, but now they are. Now they're starting to get on the map. And what we're seeing from all these guys is like, <clears throat> the athletic specimens yeah. so Deke's the same way but now he's getting experience. now he's getting more comfortable in the UFC they're not giving him necessarily easy fights you know his last fight against Shaman Marais Shaman Marais ended up just getting knocked out by Feely I get that but you know here, here's a tough guy here's a divisional gatekeeper so to speak and that he's not going to challenge for the title but he's going to give you a tough outing and he does give him a tough outing <clears throat> but you're seeing so I believe progressing and getting better and he's still young and he's Heading in the right direction. What does Gabriel Benitez do better than Sadiq Yusef? I don't think anything. Yeah, he's got the kicking power, but what's he going to do? Kick at the lead leg and slow him down? As far as the boxing goes, Benitez is southpaw. He's got good boxing as well. I just feel like Yusef will just do enough to outpoint this guy, keep him going, keep him going. And, and Sadiq doesn't have the biggest, like, killer one-shot put-you-away. That fight with, what is it, Mokhtarian? Kind of an early stoppage, even though he hit him with 20, like, big clean shots. It is an early stoppage. But with Benitez, like you know, you can catch this guy. You can go out there, you can fluster him, just like the Andre Feely fight. You know, make this guy work, make this guy pay, catch him with something he doesn't see coming. So I got Sodik, the three fifty five again. I just can't do it. The ninety four hundred that you're suggesting, huh? Yeah, it's going to be that high because he's he's a three and a half to one favorite. Yeah,
2: because there's only a couple people that well, there's one <laughs> fight with, that would even odds on it yet. I'm just assuming that he's going to be a wider favorite, and then you got uh, and then you got this. Otherwise, everything's under two hundred.
3: Is, it's under 200. So with Sodique, it's like he couldn't put away Shaman Marais, who then got knocked out by Feely. He couldn't put away Mike Davis, who y- you want to submit Mike Davis. You know, striking is, is tough. Uh, maybe the finishing ability is not there, and I would need it for 9,400 because him just whitewashing him for three rounds and winning on a striking battle and, say, scoring 100 significant strikes, no takedowns, no ground transitions, none of that, no knockdowns likely unless he's going to knock him out. It's not going to get ninety no, four hundred, exactly. so I would I would pass on that perspective. But I do I like him as a prospect. I do understand him being the favorite. It's just a little bit much.
2: Shayna Dobson takes on Sabina Mazo. Shayna Dobson minus one twenty five favorite. Mazo or Mazo is plus one hundred five. I price these two gals at eighty two and eighty. And this is just I got nothing on this fight. I obviously haven't taped them. I know that they're both strikers mazo was like known for her head kick coming into this like they gave her an appropriate matchup if they think that she's going to be a star in the future i don't know how you could think that after like her her ufc debut but busted but uh she was a prospect before then this is the perfect type of matchup for um without doing any sort of tape whatsoever i would lean towards mazo here but um but yeah, I'm not feeling great about it. Maybe if she give returns to that knockout, uh, head kick knockout type of style, this is the right opponent. 8,000, you could do a lot worse. But, uh, but yeah, I don't feel great about this fight.
3: Yeah, no, I would take uh, Sabina Mazzo because it, underdog,
2: sweet. I went
3: from getting a ludicrous price on her as a favorite because of her LFA experience where, yeah, she's just knocking girls in the head to an underdog status against Shayna Dobson, who's 3-2. and two? Jeez, how could I pass on that? I, I would definitely be interested in, in in checking it for that price. Sabina Mazo, her thing is, is that, one, she's only like 22, 23 years old. She's extremely young, and she's out of uh, King's MMA with Rafael Cordero. So there's no doubt about it that she's going to be getting better. She comes from a Muay Thai background. I believe she's Venezuelan? Mm-hmm. Not Colombian. Sounds Venezuelan. right. I think she's Venezuelan. Yeah, anyways. But her experience now coming to the States... Training in the States, getting fights in the States, it's all going to benefit her down the road. I don't know that she's going to be able to get those benefits right away. So she looks at in LFA. She wins the title in LFA. They bring her to the UFC. Why you would give an undefeated 22-year-old fighter Marina Moroz doesn't really make sense because Marina Moroz doesn't have an appealing name in the division anymore, but is iron tough, ironclad, has way more experience, and is a better fighter. But on paper, Marina Moroz is a one-dimensional boxer, and she struggled mightily against Marina Moroz in every aspect of MMA, I thought. Now we're going to downgrade to the most one-dimensional boxer in the division, Shayna Dobson. Mm-hmm. And that's all Dobson can do is swing punches. Dobson couldn't even beat Laura Mueller last time out, so, I mean, that's an instant Mueller, fade and a half. Mueller. Sabina Mazzo, I totally thought she'd be like a 2-1 to favorite. Busted prospect, but still better than Dobson. Clearly, the UFC is trying to give her a soft bounce back but to get her at plus one Oh five. I feel like you'd have to go for that. Yeah. Now when you consider drafting pricing, okay, she's the underdog. I could get a good price on her. She's got this like history of kicking people in the head, but like Dobson's tough, man. She went a decision with Lauren Mueller. She got finished on tough by Roxanne on a but like on the ground, mm-hmm. that ain't here. And then she went the distance with Nico Montano in a 2016 King of the cage fight. So like she, she's not, she's got, she's okay. Durable wise. Mm-hmm. She just swings punches. She looked eyed against Ariel back, although that was, shout out to Poggy Rob, the nut low of MMA I've ever seen in the UFC. <laughs> the worst example of UFC caliber. So it's like you can't, it's hard to get behind either of them. But Mazzo's got a higher upside. Like Dobson's a correctional officer, who's in her 30s, whereas Mazzo's 22, training out of a killer gym, trying to get her shit going. It's just, she looks so green against Moroz. It's hard to back her. But then I think Morose's. Moroz would smoke dobson it wouldn't even be a competitive fight it'd be six to one morning line on Moroz before anybody steamed it like it wouldn't even be competitive so at least there's something she could take away out of that i always say i like when a fighter suffers a loss early in their career and how do they bounce back i just don't know that it's enough time for her to shore up all those gaps anyways we'll see but mazda's the play
2: we got hannah cyphers taking on jody Escabel. Hannah Cyphers, minus 255. Favorite Jody Escobar, plus 215. Um,
3: Classic Paul Shaughnessy I mean, would have S- said this is cranberry sauce. But then we also just maybe talked just, about cranberry uh, sauce. But this uh, other one has definite feel of cranberry
2: sauce. Uh, people in the betting community like this fight. Because Escobar is, what, 0-4 in the UFC. Yeah, that's why it's
3: the time to get her. It's she got a winnable fight here.
2: Oh, stop it! She's got a winnable fight you here. You picked her what twice against Aguilar? Like she lost to Jessica Aguilar.
3: Yeah, man. yeah, but that's because of the grappling. Now we take the grappling out of this, and w- which is what she has here.
2: Dude. Now it's a winnable
3: fight. Now it's a winnable fight.
2: I couldn't. You got to get that grappling. I couldn't out. even bet jo- Jody Escobel with your money. Like if you gave me money, I would, I would, I'd do anything else. Could you bet ben Hannah Pull- Cyphers? I mean, I don't have to bet Hannah Cyphers, but I would, I can't, no. <clears throat> Escobel's old, slow. I don't even know what she's good at.
3: She's good at being plus 215. That's an intriguing price but to find out. She's a friend
2: of a bunch of people at Jackson's. Like I She's married
3: that, to Keith Jardine. The Dean of Mean. The Dean of Mean. The greatest bet Cody Saptic has ever landed was I won somebody's soul. Keith Jardine versus Chuck Liddell.
2: <laughs> all right, you, all right. All right, p- plead your case
3: with Escabel for Escabel because okay.
2: I I I just want the people to know I'm not <clears throat> on, I'm not on board with this. I, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you guys this, but he's going to.
3: Yeah, so she's a little meatball, short, stocky, compact. Just wants to brawl. That's all she wants to do is brawl. And everybody she fights, no interest in brawling with you. Gonna take you down. She tries out for the Ultimate Fighter on the strength of a nice little winning streak. And uh, she fights Ashley Yoder, who end up being pretty okay. She beats Yodder, man. I thought it was a close fight. But I thought she won. Keith Jardine thought she won.
2: For sure. The
3: her judges mother probably did too. The judges didn't think she won. She lost a split to Ashley Yoder to get into the house. So when says, you know what? You look good. You're not going to the ultimate fighter. We'll sign you. Only they give her Alexa Grosso, who Grosso you know, not a grappler. I get that. But Grasso is just better than her. It is what it is. Then she fights Deanna Bennett, who's okay. She beats Bennett. Terrible split decision. But Bennett's a wrestler and a grappler. But then what are her losses, Paul? Carolina, a grappler. Jessica Aguilar, a grappler. Angela Hill, non-grappler, but just a better striker. So, like, that's the problem with Escabel. She's not a grappler. She's
2: not good at anything. No,
3: though. no, no. You're right, dude. She's not good at... All she can really do is brawl. They've either given her superior grapplers or... Superior strikers like Angela Hill. What can you do with it? So, yeah, she's 0-3 in the UFC, plus that tough loss. Kind of makes her 0-4 with the company. Uh, not looking good. The win is a split over Deanna Bennett and Invicta. Mega fade. Want nothing to do with this. I, I totally agree. It's just when you watch Hannah Cyphers, namely that last fight especially against Paula and Vienna, it's like she's got no reach. She cuts no angles. She does not move her head. She, in fact, gets outstruck by Pollyanna Viana and then somehow still gets the decision. I-, I thought she won. I thought it was the right decision. But like she did not look good mm. at her one thing that she's supposed to do good at. She did not look good. And you're, you're, I know what you're saying. Escabel. what's her one thing? Striking? When does she look good at that? It's like, I get it. But we've got two equally, in my opinion, equally bad fighters who are going to be equally bad At the one thing that they both intend to do for this entire fight. Only one of them can be had at plus 215. This is not dog or pass the dogs plus 130. This is dog or pass. And one of the dogs is plus 215. Like, that's very juicy. Now, Escobel has got a massive history of letting everybody down. Except for for Keith. He's got her back. You know, he's a good husband. He's a stunt man now
2: too, and a little bit of an He's got actor. the look. He's got the look. Fuck does he ever? Yeah, I can't get. on I can't do that. That's just. It's just we'll crazy agree. Talk. We'll
3: agree to disagree. You agree? I you, mean, you I can't. Agree that you can't I get, get not, on board. I'm not. But you ain't laying two fifty five on the I'm not, I'm not laying
2: the juicy. have I've, I've seen some people. I've seen some people on Twitter be like, "Oh, they're totally setting up Hannah Cypher's. This is like a promotional thing." It's just like, did you see her interview after the Contender series? It's just like they are not. They are not trying to set her up for a, a marketing push here. Like, she was, she was so scared of the interview. She hardly said anything. She's she kind of like a up. mute. She didn't really, she yeah, didn't really yeah, have yeah. a person. She's
3: talked about that. She's just, like, crippling anxiety of speaking from the crowd.
2: Sure, sure. They're, they're no, this is not, like, a promotional push that... Is happening here. They're just like, no, oh, just, she's nine. She and, a, she's nine
3: and three. Like. She
2: needs a fight, and she, Jody's Jody's still hanging around. So give her another twelve grand. Um, I'm picking Hannah Ciphers to win. I'm not laying the juice. I had it priced at ninety two seventy.
3: Ninety two seventy, based on the price, yeah. I'm gonna say maybe eighty nine seventy one. But here's the thing. You
2: mean eighty nine seventy three.
3: Eighty nine would be seventy three. That's why I got you yeah. Paul. I would so I would I, I round, would take
2: round that to a two.
3: I would take that poke plus two fifty five on Jody. Cash game play would be the only way to roster her. And by the and way, and we, already, we already still not, not gonna get Ian up to Ian Heinish
2: that. and Derek Derek Brunson at eighty nine seventy three. So yeah, yeah. So one of them's gotta be it. But yeah, it's, it's with the odds and stuff, that's kind of why I kind of stacked this at This, this one. one's almost like, certainly going That is going a, a straight-up stay-away if that's how this thing gets up and uh, yeah. ends up game price. I like, would
3: expect this one to go 15 minutes, 29-28 for either one of them. That remains to be seen. And the striking stats would be like 63-57. Like it
2: is dog or pass. I'm just passing.
3: And it's a hell of a dog, but okay, fair enough, fair enough.
2: We have Kung-Hyo Kang taking on Brandon Davis. kung Yo Kang is... 185 minus 185 Brandon Davis is plus 160. I priced these guys at 9171
3: he got. Kunho Kang, is my boy, Mr. Perfect. Uh, you know, the second greatest Mr. Perfect next to obviously my boy Kurt Henning. But yeah, dude, like he he's the skills there. He's fighting limited amount of opposition, but he's so he seems very strong, very athletic, good ground game. Um goes for it. He just needs to develop, he needs to shore up a couple holes, we'll be good. Then he takes that military service, and that's what threw me off big time, is that like, he looked like a decent prospect prior to the Korean military service, which pulled him out of action for like three-plus years. Comes back to the UFC against Guido Canetti. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't say he looked fantastic, but he triangles him in the first round, so first round submission, good enough. Then the fight with Ricardo Ramos, I thought he won. Ricardo Ramos ain't so bad, not so good. But it was a close fight. He loses a split. And then his last fight against Toru Ishihara, it's like Ishihara's got a problem in his grappling defense and namely his takedown defense. And he, he, you know, he doesn't have a good like uh, energy management. Kang should be able to run right through an opponent like that because where his skill set lies is exactly what Ishihara doesn't do particularly well. And if he's able to apply that, he should get the easy win, and he does get the easy win. And now this is the exact same kind of matchup. Braden Davis is a decent kickboxer. He comes from a football background, gets in with Alan Belcher's gym in Mississippi, and since then he's just kind of like a Jason Knight, or he's like a Chase Sherman. They're all same from the same gym. They all fight the same way. Good strikers. He's a kind of a long range kickboxer. His ground game kind of leaves something to the imagination. <clears throat> We've seen guys like Barzola toss him around at Will if they wanted to. But he's got heart. He's got a good gas tank. And if you leave him in the fight, he might give you a tough third round. But I don't think his takedown defense is good enough. And that will be the problem here. Kang is a little faster than him, a little more athletic than him. But he'll only use his striking long enough to pot shot with the guy long enough to get him to the ground. And I think that's the key to victory is just get Davis to the ground. Clearly, this is the way to beat him. And that's exactly what Kang can and should do. And because he's not coming off this long military service now, he's now three fights back. Mm-hmm. He's now getting his, his momentum going again.
1: Yes. And at
3: 31 years old, even though it's like, shit, dude, you probably gave up the prime years of your career to military service. 31 is when you look at the top 15 in every division, and you break out the average age of a top 15 UFC caliber fighter. They're right around there. It's 30, 31, right? So he should be in the prime of his career. He's He's got the ring rust shook off and he's got the skill set to beat Brendan Davis. So I, I would have to say, I would have to say Kang. As far as the DraftKings pricing, <clears throat> looking I, at.
2: I had 91, 71, just based on how the odds shake out.
3: Yeah, he's plus 185, right? He's going to be more expensive than Joel Romero, he's going to be more expensive than uh, some of those high end upper picks. But at the same time... He's going
2: to be pretty low-owned, I would imagine, if he's surrounded by all those guys. At the same time, yeah. And if you like him to d- get the fight to the ground and find a submission against Brandon Davis, who that's his hole in his game. That's, it seems like a viable play.
3: That's, that's the viable play. The other thing is that when you look at his last three three of his last four wins in the UFC by submission right we expect him to get Brandon Davis to the ground it's just a question of is he going to be able to submit Brandon Davis when he does get him to the ground Brandon Davis meanwhile yeah um he got submitted by Zabi, who's ain't no shame in that Barzola just had his way with him tossing him around Bokniak more or less had his way with him you know you you he lost a fight to Dewan Pinkney he was like 37 at the time he's got you know like Submission defense hasn't always been his, his, his best quality and his takedown defense has been the biggest gap. I think those are both things that could be exploited by Kang. And if Kang's able to go out there and get that submission, then he, he'll get it. I, I'm just maybe ever so reluctant, I feel like there's just some better choices. I don't mind Kang. Mm. If I'm playing multiple lineups, I'm going to put Kang on some of them, especially chasing that low ownership, no doubt about it. But if I'm playing one single lineup, there's guys I have more faith in than Kang.
2: We got Manny Bermudez taking on uh, Casey Kenny. Manny Bermudez is minus one hundred and fifty. Casey Kenny is plus one hundred and thirty. I priced them at eighty-four and seventy-eight, respectively. What you got?
3: Dennis Bermudez has been costing me thus it's far. Manny Bermudez. So Dennis sorry. Bermudez <laughs> has
2: also been costing me.
3: <laughs> Dennis Bermudez retired, <laughs> and he got the win. Thank God. Oh, but yeah, he got the win, and he was like, okay, that's enough for me. Dennis Bermuda's done. Manny Bermuda's been costing me, because, man, you look at his career, like, before he comes to the UFC, and, like, he just, he seems very dimensional with his jiu-jitsu off his back. Like, they call him the Bermuda's triangle, and he's got a good little triangle choke, but how is that going to translate mm-hmm. when he comes to the UFC? So, I fade him against Albert Morales, because Albert Morales got some fights in the UFC, and he's actually not all that bad, and, you know, he fought the weasel to a close competitive draw, like, Okay, I got Morales here. Morales had never gassed out before, but Bermuda's just, he pushes the pace, you know, because yep. he's continuously hunting submissions that you got to defend, you got to defend. You make one mistake, he gets he gets the better half of you. He could have won that fight if he didn't gas out, but the pace prevailed for Bermudez, who's young, by the way, so he can kind of do those things. He wins. Okay, Davy Grant. All right, Davy Grant's been submitted before, but he's big for the division, and, you know, he's an okay wrestler. I,
2: I bet Bermuda's. You
3: have Bermuda's there, yeah, yeah. My mistake... I had Davy Grant. And then Davy Grant gets submitted with the, the Bermuda's triangle in less than a minute. Okay. fair. 0 for 2 in this Bermuda's kid. 0 for 3 coming up. Benito Lopez. Okay. But Benito Lopez turns an alpha male. gets Mal. choked. Yeah. Like, everybody at alpha male knows how to take somebody down. Surely, he'll just stuff this kid's takedown. And Bermuda's cannot strike. Can't wrestle. Can't strike. The only saving grace he has is that submission game. And he takes out Benito Lopez. First round submission. So, like... Okay, Cody, learn your lesson. The guy's a submission ace, but he's not. He's young. He's just he's catching these guys, and I can't I can't get over it. Now, Casey Kenny, this is an extremely winnable fight for Bermudez, but Casey's never been submitted. And he just went three rounds with Ray Borg, who is gonna pose as many threats, I think in the grappling department is Manny Bermudez. So Casey is, it. this is not going to be a very... Uh, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting fight. It's exciting if Bermudez finishes you quick with a submission. But if not, it's going to be a lot of Casey Kinney playing I smart. Mean,
2: Casey Kinney was able to grapple and hang out with Gray borg that entire that's, time. that's right? what i mean
3: it's like because he's got the grappling chops to survive he can either force this to be a stand-up battle and he beats this kid in a stand-up battle yeah. or he forces this into one of those dustin Ortizes. what are you doing man the guy's a black belt but it's like i can just out scramble him and keep myself safe casey also took that fight with borg on like a three days notice and look good he can fight at 25 he can fight at 35 uh he, he's going to be a little smaller than Bermuda's here but yeah. if Bermudez doesn't have that offensive wrestling to get... It. The other thing, too, is Bermudez, the only time we've seen him go past that first round is the Morales fight. He is yes but he gets the submission the other two fights are first rounders casey kinney's got a tendency to pull you into deeper rounds because mm. he's got five round cardio and he'll rely on his five round cardio so i think kinney gets it's the job done. Fight. It, it's a very very interesting fight casey kinney's the underdog this is a car with some good underdogs but that's one that i like the pricing on him the only thing is is that he might just go through the rhythm. like do you remember uh ronnie yaya versus ricky simon it's like you could do more
2: but why would you? This, yeah. is
3: the, this is the move, what you're doing. If you
2: get those takedowns, that's when you go into the Bermuda's triangle. Yeah, so like... That's how you get in danger. So, so it's like it could you, be like... You grind up against the fence. You just make sure you keep your neck out of danger yeah. while you're grinding up against the fence. You do some dirty boxing on the inside. You don't you throw try a five-punch combination
3: right? because he'll probably duck under one of them and come at you. You land one-twos. You land yeah. jabs. You so he land... missed, may
2: not... Even if he gets the win, he may not score well. Yeah, so he's a Whereas dog. Whereas Manny Bermudez, if he wins, he scores well.
3: He'll be good DK value, But if the points aren't there, then what's the value? Whereas, yeah, yeah, Bermudez has shown us, clearly shown me by this point. He
2: wins. 100 100 is
3: easy. If he's going to win. That 100 seems to be like the, the guy's basement, right? Like that's yeah. his floor for him. So, uh, yeah. Buyer beware, Cody. Don't have the best record running with it. The only guy that has burnt me more than Bermude is... would have to be Claudio Silva. It may would, be. would have to be Claudio Silva.
2: It may be wise just to not bet this one. Fair enough. Not so many. Yeah,
4: but he's
3: because it's a dog that I don't mind. Um, this is a dog card. This is one of those cards. If Pogi Rob was to actually hit a 12 fight Pogi Rob parlay. You would, you wouldn't, they wouldn't give you pogey no more. They'd be like, this motherfucker driving a convertible. Why are we sending him pogey checks?
2: <laughs> uh, we got Dracker Close taking on Christos Giagos. Dracker Close minus 185. Uh, Christos Giagos plus 160. I priced Dracker Close, who is, uh, because of his odds, I priced him at $9,000, which is like 100% do not play uh, range for Jacker Close. Like, I just don't he he could fight two times and not and not, <laughs> and, not and not and not return value at yeah, that price sure. um sure. and then Giagos one mean you're not playing plus one sixteen and seventy two I think a lot of this ends up staying on the feet. I think christos Diagos wrestling is able to keep it that way Jagos is a underdog that I'm interested. In. You've been kind of like you, you seem to have a better grasp. Of Christos Giagos in general, than I do though. So, uh, plus 160 seems like some value to me for a guy who uh, probably isn't as explicitly, explicitly talented, but may be able to keep this fight real, real close. All Draco Closest fights are very, very close. And, um, and Christos Giagos, you're given some, if you think it's going to be a close fight, plus 160 on something that goes to the judges' scorecards, and you think split decision is possible, I think Giagos may have some value, but I, w- I want to hear your words first. You know what?
3: It's it's similar in the sense that if you were to label this fight as a dog or pass, it's not a cheap dog. It's Giagos' plus 160. And we hammered him last time out over Demir Hanzevic at plus 145, and it proved to be the good move. The thing is that Hanzevic absolutely can't wrestle, yeah. whereas... He's got an opponent now, and Dracor close that knows how to wrestle. Giagos, he took that fight on short notice too against Demir Hanzovic. Like I remember, he was at his sister's wedding in Hawaii or some shit. Like not even training, but he's super frantic with his with his motion, with his movement, with his energy. Like he just everything is fast twitch muscle, bam, 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 as hard as you possibly can. And he does he as Robin Black would say, he spends all of his energy on the swim there, leaves none left for the swim mm-hmm. home. That's just kind of how he is. What has been saving him, I think, in the last two fights is that by the time he completely blows out all of his energy, he's up two rounds. Against Masuda Harada, he can bank two rounds. It don't matter. You just defend yourself. You'll be okay. That last fight against Hansevic, it's a sweater, dude. The first round he wins because of his wrestling. The second round, he wins because of his wrestling, but he is extremely gassed at the end of that second round. And then the third round, Paul, he just he crumples right over. He shoots a takedown. It, it gets stuffed, and then he just bails to his back. Had has, like, four minutes of top pressure on him but can't put him away, so he wins another 29-28 decision. That, all that motion, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work against guys that can't wrestle because that blast double, that big blast double, it'll work mm-hmm. in the first round. In the second round, it'll work, but less effective. In the third round, it will not work. He's got no plan B. His striking, again, he'll, he strikes the same way he wrestles. Everything is with it. All his intent behind it. He throws his hooks with everything he has behind it. His straight right, everything behind it. A lot of the times, he'll throw his combination only to just shoot a blast double into you. But it's too much. A 29-year-old guy, he's, he had two runs in the UFC now. He's fought in Russia. He's fought in all across the globe. You'd expect that maybe he'd slow it down a little bit. Maybe he'd uh, not exert himself as much. Maybe he'd change the game plan. But coming off two wins in the UFC, he's not going to change it. That's just kind of how he is. So Dracker Close is not impressive in any one you know, element. But his takedown defense checks out. His striking's okay. And he just seems to be in close fights where I believe he just he just does a little more than his opponent. Against Giagos, Giagos is going to try to take him down. I don't think it's going to work in the first round. He'll tire Giagos out. The second round will be a lot closer. Sorry, the the first round could be Giagos, but it, it'll be close enough. The second round could be close, but it'll be Jocker close. And the third round is like, you, you Giagos ain't winning no third rounds, whereas Jocker close will have some mm-hmm. in the tank. So we're sending both of these guys... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big fight for both guys. But ultimately, the MMA lab will have the game plan set up for this one-dimensional wrestler who's just going to gonna, win that third round. Yeah, like, we got guys in our gym that are going to just blast W all training camp, whereas Giagos, like this is, he's at a black house. Like, this is what he does to them. They don't do it to him. At the MMA lab, you come in with that shit. You wait and see what happens, right? So it's, it's going to be a different stylistical approach. Giagos will burn himself out early, which will lead to close to getting the win by decision. And I would not play the 185. It's it's a little too dicey. But the only way you get better than that, take close by decision. Mm-hmm. But as far as the drafting pricing go, yeah, they're going to make it at least that 9,000 range because he's a plus, minus 185 favorite. And even if it's a few hundred at the very best, he's 8,800, this is not a guy who scores a lot of points, so... Yeah, I think the price you that pass I would even
2: consider fight. playing him at would be... I would need him as an underdog, to be honest. Like yeah. Based on his fight style, I would need him to be like 7,500. That's when like you would start being like... You, you'd start considering him as a play. Yeah,
3: but Jocker Close so is, is a, an easy fight to fade Jack on. Jocker Close is a boring fighter, and Giagos is an exciting fighter. And when they meet, I wonder what kind of fight it's going to be. But... Dr. Boring fighters close is probably
2: better. Boring he's fighters going to usually,
3: be able to make it boring. yeah. Boring fighters usually win those matchups because mm. they they're boring for a reason. They win. They have game plans. They stick to it. They don't just brawl and go for guts or glory, which is what Diagos does. Don't think it works here. So, uh, give me close by decision.
2: Finally, we've got uh, Devonte Smith taking on Clay Collard. No odds at the time of this recording on this fight, but uh, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, Clay Collard's going to be a big underdog. Devontae Smith was already like a minus 300 or something like that favor. Who is who's he filling in for? Do you have that in I just
3: right wanted to see if they had released a prize, which it doesn't appear that they
2: have. Well, it wouldn't even be listed on. You'd have to click on his name. Let's just do it. Let's just do it on air. No, I just
3: went on Best Vitals to see if they – uh.
2: Yeah, but he won't they, that that fight won't even be listed on that website is what no, I'm saying. Correct. So you have to go to the archive. Yeah. And then I'm gonna write Devontae Smith, D E Well, this is this is absolutely riveting stuff right here. Devontae Smith and Devontae Smith. So yeah, nothing I don't see anything listed. Either Uh, way.
3: uh, Yeah, well we'll we'll get we'll get to set it ourselves. What do you think
2: it's gonna like not even just be opened at? What do you think it'll settle at?
3: It should open at minus four hundred and it'll settle at minus six hundred. Yeah, at least. Here's, here's so the thing here's the thing that yeah, that's yeah.
2: kind of falls into line with what I have him as the most expensive guy in the card. I brought him up as 96 to 66. We don't know about Devonte Smith's gas tank. We know he lost to John Gunther, and we got my boy Clay Collard coming in with that cast iron chin.
3: In a hell of a gas tank.
2: (laughs) That kid can go. All I'm saying, I'm not, maybe I'm a little bit too much of, I'm happy to see Clay Collard back in the UFC for for whatever reason. Maybe there's so many new faces that I'm just happy to see an old, an old face. It's nice. It's nice to to see the
3: the guy work his way back.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But Um, especially, yeah, now it's like. He's going to be a big underdog um and he's super durable now maybe he's just so durable they just takes an absolute drubbing pounding from Devontae smith Devontae smith ends up scoring the most points on the on the slate because clay collard literally just blocks every single punch with his chin but what if he gases what if he gases catches clay able to clean up the dirt in round three maybe maybe all I'm saying is I would be more inclined to play Clay Collard at 66 should that be the price, than I would uh, Devontae Smith, because I'm crazy like that, and maybe a little bit of a fan. Uh, Clay Collard is not on the list of Paul Shag guys, capital G guys, but...
3: Yeah, I he mean, doesn't have the mold I mean, mold if he goes on guy.
2: a bit of a winning streak as a big underdog, I mean, he could work his way into the fold. Scoggins is kind of working his way out, so... Uh, Scoggins is probably not even in my top five anymore.
3: So. Yeah, well, he definitely lets you down. See, Clay Collar was just like super entertaining. he go out there, his hands right by his hips, and he is the quintessential definition of a just poor believe. man's dominant cruise. Like he he tries to move on like similar angles with his feet down, with his hands down, and just gets plowed. The guy can make a hell of a punch. His fight with Max Holloway, he's like 22 years old or some shit. They're both super young at the time. I think. I want to say he's one year younger than Max Holloway. You know, like, he's just a kid. He loses to Holloway. Totally no big deal there. Beats Alex White. And then he's a big favorite over Gabriel Benitez. But like we just said, Benitez, you can't overlook him. Collar's just a young kid. Clearly overlooked him. Kind of everybody did. That's why Collar went off as a 250 favorite over Gabriel Benitez. In Mexico, by the way. Oh,
2: boy.
3: So he loses. The fight with Tiago Traitor, it's a split decision, Right. Again, he's a minus 145 favorite. It's a split decision close enough. They just they cut a 23-year-old kid that gave them three entertaining fights that was just literally went for it. I mean, he's he's action personified. Like, why would you let go of this kid? And then now that you see all the bums that they bring in, it's just like, man, he killed them. As soon as they cut him, he beat he beat his first two opponents and he lost to Derek Minner, who we just saw a couple of weeks ago in Kendall Series. But he gets caught in 31 seconds with a rear naked choke. Literally, he slipped. Minner jumped on his back, put him in a choke. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can kind of give him a bit of a pass, and then he wins his next two fights over Lucas he Montoya. Took a
2: bunch of boxing matches.
3: Yeah, and then there's the other interesting thing, right? So he doesn't got a great boxing record. He's two one and three, right? Two wins, one loss, and three draws.
2: he guy got like to just fight as much as possible. Loves
3: to fight. But here's here's the other thing, okay? So yeah, he wins his debut in 2017. This is in 2019. This is the current year, Paul. He's already fought five times professionally as a boxer. Okay, Tipton Walker was 6-0. and He fucking fought into a draw, right? This this other guy here, Quincy Lavalus, he's 7-0. and He fights into a split draw, Paul. He's fighting undefeated prospects to draws. Never been knocked out in boxing. Cast iron chin in MMA. And one time he slipped up with a couple submissions. Like Holloway knocked him out, but it was late, late, late.
2: Yeah, it's round three.
3: Yeah, late, exactly, late exactly. Late well, whatever. I, I really doesn't bother me at all. So, like, collar can hang. The thing is, is that he's very, very hittable and Devontae Smith if he's got that one thing it's yeah. like you absolutely 100% do not want to get hit by this guy. And so n- now I'm kind of like Collar's got caller's coming on a short notice but he had a fight booked, an MMA fight booked anyway. Of course he
2: did. He has probably he probably was he probably had three boxing matches also yeah. booked as well.
3: But see that's my issue is that when when you're just you he's 26 now and one fight in the UFC pays as much as three boxing matches in an MMA fight back in Utah. So it's like he's just spreading himself real real thin. I think he's doing some grappling on the side, and they compete competes in boxing, then he does MMA. And he's taking on someone, Devontae Smith, that's had a full camp, focus, big power. Uh, you know, the fight with Julian Arosta touches him, he goes down. Dong Young Ma touches him, he goes down. Prior to that, jo- Joseph Flower, on the Canaveral touches him. But those guys can't take a punch like Clay. So listen, you're you are not wrong. If Clay can extend him out into the second or third round, that's when it will become interesting.
2: He just may not get there.
3: But he, he might take a, he he take a lot of damage He is going to take a lot of damage That's what he does Before he gets there he might get seriously uh, it,
2: it, This could be even like a live betting opportunity you got, yeah, That is right 10-8 first round Devontae yeah, Smith you get Clay's face is get, get Clay <laughs> Devontae you, <laughs> you get Clay to the stool And they're offering like a plus like 1200 Because you're, you're just like this guy's dead Just like, giddy up Oh yeah Let's go Yeah
3: yeah yeah Gunther can do it So
2: <laughs> Clay Exactly Oh, yeah. I don't think I, it's hard to pick him to win, but especially without odds or anything like that. But I'm assuming that he's going to be the big he's coming in on short notice against a guy who's just finishing people in the first round. I think Clay Collard's going to be a sizable underdog here. There could be some especially. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You you would get like plus twelve hundred plus fifteen hundred like they could do something silly like that. This is, like, one of those spots that could happen like that. Yeah,
3: yeah, especially because Clay collard has got this thing where, like, he'll get knocked down, and he just gets right back up. Like, he just, he, he goes down, and he pops up. So it's just like, yeah, after that first round, it's like,
4: holy shit, dude,
3: he got, tra-. it's just the same thing with, like, after round one of uh, new, Nama Unison and Draj. I remember people being like, bet the 700 on Nama Unison a lock, It's like, ooh. Yeah, don't do that. Ooh, I, I don't know. This could be the same thing. Like, yo, yeah, dude, he dropped him twice. Collar's beat up. You just got to wait. Other than that, you could pass because, listen, this is a card that is just chocked full of potential value. You don't got to bet 12 fights. You could pick three of them and make some serious dough. But to give you the quick recap, I am going to go with Stipe, who's going to be dog number one. So we got Stipe. I'm going to go with Nate Diaz. Again, again, I get these, these are close fights. I'm going to go Apollo Costa, even though, even though I'd love to see Yule win. Not my bank account, but I am a Yule fan favorite. Sanhagen's going to be a favorite. We're going to go with Heinisch. And don't love the pricing. We're going to go Sodique. Don't obviously love the pricing there. We're going to take Mazzo. She's technically an underdog as well. We're going to take Jody Escobel. Oh, stop it. Yeah, we're going to take uh, Mr. Perfect, so he's a favorite. We're going to take Casey Keeney.
2: Six underdogs?
3: Six underdogs. And then we're going to take our clothes. Who's the favorite. And then at this point, you could take a seventh underdog and not be crazy in Clay Collar. Mm. But because it's also the very first fight of the card, if you put a $1 parlay that has seven favorites in it and it would pay like 10 grand and it happened to lose, you you could just rebuild the other 11 fights without it. I want to see the pricing. I want to see them on the scale. And I I hear you. Sometimes it's like you break down somebody's skill set and it's like, okay, give it to me. It's like, dude, Devontae Smith faster. It's like, okay, for sure. What about the power, Devonte Smith? It's like, what about the wrestling? Yeah, probably Devonte Smith. It's like, okay, well, what about like the chin? Yeah, they both got good chins. This is like, well, why are you taking the other guy? It's like, nah, he's got a good gas tank and like he brings it and like he's, got heart. he's a wily some bitch and like you know what? Ultimately, you do give him the cardio advantage only because we've seen Smith gas years ago like it's it's very it's very I hard to, to s- assume what's gonna happen if it comes out now. at minus
2: 200 like we're not yeah no, this is not no, a discussion no, no. that we're having but it won't, right? it won't i'm expecting him to be a very very big underdog that's the only reason i would have any interest
3: very last thing i have to say is if it does open at two it'll be one of those things where the greeks like I totally hammered that soft (laughs) opener. It's like that line didn't exist, okay? They just they put it out there, and then immediately twenty bucks was bet, and they were like, "That twenty bucks came in way too fast. Let's up the price."
2: My crime syndicate actually (laughs) leveraged a bunch of people's homes on that opener, which was only live for thirty-seven seconds
3: with a fifty-dollar match. But
2: that was my it was my sharp money that pounded it all the way up to minus a thousand. Sharp money, homie. Little Cody Saftik. That was Cody Saftik. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ Saftik. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul Shag. Um, great to have a pay-per-view back again to uh – really get us fired up uh it's been a rough summer a lot of uh intermediate uh, kind of questionable cards hopefully this kind of worked out hopefully this show isn't a complete disaster because all of the pricing <laughs> was off and like the flights by the through. time we get here there's like there's no daniel cormier replacement no opponents Diaz. it's just like sabino Mezo is the main event of the card and, and yeah this show would be a complete wash but anyway for cody i am paul saying goodbye and good luck Have